Welcome to the day two podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about how product availability can make or break your Q4 sales. It's every seller's worst nightmare. Sales are just starting to skyrocket when Amazon takes actions against one of your products and customers are no longer able to find or purchase your product, costing you potentially thousands of dollars a day in sales. The root causes can run the gamut from product quality, catalog issues, and many more. Welcome to the day two podcast, where we give you the unfiltered truth to launch, grow, and protect your brand on Amazon and beyond. I'm Shannon Roddy, head of business development here at Avenue 7 and the host of today's episode of the day two podcast. Today, I'll be talking with Malia Kim, the director of product availability, along with James Ford Bay, our senior catalog consultant here at Avenue 7 Media, who every day helps solve these issues for sellers and brands we work with. Malia and James, welcome to the show. Hey, Shannon. Thank you for bringing us on. It's a pleasure to discuss uh, some of the things that we do here at Avenue 7 um, under the product availability team. Um, I myself do the performance and policy side um, and then manage the inventory and catalog teams as well. And then James is our senior consultant, um, and we've both been doing this about five plus years. So we're happy to be here and discuss some of the top issues that we will see um, and help hopefully some of the sellers navigate this season. It's amazing that, you know, product availability is, we put it as the number one thing that we look at um, when analyzing our clients' accounts. And yet it's amazing how many sellers overlook this. In fact, I got a message from um, somebody else on our team today. They were talking with somebody and the person literally said, I had no idea that product availability was so important. And yet, if your product is not available, people can't buy it. Now, We'll get into the weeds in a minute, but I kind of want to just start at the highest level. Um, you know, for both Malia and James, Amazon, even in the past few years, has become and grown so exponentially complicated that it seems like brands can't do this on their own anymore. Whereas you used to be able to. And uh, James, I know you have been referred to as a wizard when it comes to Amazon catalog. Um, and I can tell you from experience that I worked with a, a client that I had brought over when I joined Avenue 7 Media. I had been working on a catalog issue, trying to update an ASIN and tie it to their brand and brand registry for six months and was unable to do so. And your team got it done in a matter of weeks. And I started an Amazon catalog cleanup 10 years ago. So I had 10 years of experience. And I just found that the things I did before weren't working anymore. James, can you just sort of speak a little bit to that in terms of how that complexity has sort of worked its way into everyday sales and, and sellers' lives at Amazon? Sure. Thanks for the uh, introduction, uh, Shannon. Uh, glad to be here to speak uh, on uh, you know, Avenue Seven's behalf um, in regard to, uh, in regard to uh, catalog issues. My m mantra is Amazon's always a constantly changing environment. Um, when I first started out, you know, five plus years ago, it was a matter of I could, you know, you could update things and you'll get stuff pushed through. It's, you know, I think sometimes what a lot of sellers don't understand is, you know, Amazon changes things and they don't always tell sellers that. So right. when you hit a brick wall, it's like, what do I do now? And it has, you know, to your point, Shannon, it has become uh, increasingly difficult. Amazon always evolves. And as they evolve, we have to evolve and adapt. And kind of um, reach out and figure out what things work. You know, obviously things in the past don't work. What I found, you know, tried and true is, you know, kind of understanding the process, if you will, and, you know, trying different things. You know, it's it's it does become, you know, obviously uh, difficult because 
you're always going to be throwing a curveball. It's like a, a, a continual game of baseball. You don't know what Emma's going to throw at you next. And again, the, you know, you know, like what brought me success is understanding and being able to adapt and like, like change directions on the dime. Yeah, James, absolutely. I agree. I, I think there's an element where there's not always a straightforward answer or solution. I think, especially with catalog, it involves a lot of creativity. Even if you follow Amazon's directions, it's not like it works every time. Can you talk a little bit about the creative aspect uh, and approach that our team has to take when resolving issues? Is it is it just a straightforward, you follow steps A through Z and it works? Or do you have to find ways to be creative and try different avenues in order to get the desired result and outcome for the client? Oh, you definitely have to try different avenues. Um, I've experienced it. You know, you get the Amazon playbook, if you will. If you go from A to Z, 90% of the time, it's not going to work um, because there's stuff that's embedded in there. So what I found that, you know, is helpful is, you know, digging in, you know, obviously follow it to a T, but right. when something doesn't make sense, you have to ask. Because a lot of the knowledge that I've obtained, you know, obviously outside of, you know, my colleagues is from reaching out to support and being like, hey, you told me to do this. It doesn't work. And they're yeah. like, oh, hold on a second. Let, and then they're reaching out to their colleagues on their end. And that's right. how you get experience. So it's kind of like you have to, you know, be able to understand to a degree, but also um, have the ability to um, extract information from them because they're not they're not always going to disclose it. And there's stuff that. I was like, oh, I didn't realize you guys were doing this. And it was like, oh, we just found out. Because right. a lot of times it comes from the top down. Right. So, yeah, definitely from a catalog standpoint, you know, unfortunately, I like to say follow their instructions to a T, A to Z, but that's not going to work a lot of the time. You definitely have to be creative. Um, right. I've tried things. And, you know, you know, in my early stages, um, I even surprised myself. I'm like, oh, that worked. <laughs> yeah. But it was nothing that they, you know, they would um, obviously tell you. And they're like, being on the phone with support sometimes, you're like, oh, did that work? And I'm like, right. it did. Why are yeah. you surprised? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I've had the same situation where Amazon will tell you this doesn't work. And you're like, well, I tried it anyways. And it turns out it does because mm -hmm. understanding how the system works is, is a really complex game. It's the matrix, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, Malia, I want to bring it back to you. There's a lot of things that can cause issues that, that can cause a product to become unavailable. And one of the first things that you mentioned is that you have to ask is, is it a performance issue or a catalog issue? Can you talk about that at a high level? How do sellers even know? Like, I mean, in some cases, you're not even getting a notification or alert. All of a sudden, it's just you realize your sales drop off and customers aren't buying your product. How do you sort of diagnose and assess, is it a performance issue versus a catalog issue? And how do I assess that as a seller? So the way the platform is supposed to work is you're supposed to get a performance notification. It's supposed to show up on your nice account health dashboard, whether it's a performance violation or it's a warning, you know, catalog, account level, ASIN listing level, whatever it may be. It's supposed to be there. Sometimes it is not. It'll be in one place and not the other, or it will be missing entirely from the platform and you'll get a nice email. Whether or not you understand what that email means is where we come into the picture. So a lot of times we get the inquiries like, we have no idea. So then we go into the account, we triage, we look for the root causes. The most common ones we will see this season are going to be performance-based. Um, and then as the system is overloaded with all the requests for changes and whatnot, we will see sometimes that the catalog will break. 
Um, so the top reasons for performance would be your product quality. So whether it's, you know, a use sold as new, so a condition complaint, sometimes safety, those are the ones that are not fun. Um, right. So having having to prove the burden that your product is safe through product testing. Um, and then we also see things like counterfeit authenticity complaints. Um, and then even just sometimes it's your product uh, compliance requirements for submitting annual or whatever that cadence is for proving your, again, your product is safe for sale on that marketplace. Um, and then for some of the catalog things, um, I'll leave that for James to give you what kind of the top features are or the top issues, if you will, for what we're seeing this holiday season so far. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, Malia. And I think there's two parts to it. One, I want to talk about the positive aspect. Can you can you talk about, you know, from a platform standpoint of wanting to protect customers and or being legally held responsible for protection of customers that a lot of these things, whether it's authenticity or defective or safety, these are actually put in place to help protect customers. Can you just talk a little bit about that? It's not like, oh, I can't believe Amazon took my listing down. You're like, well, yeah, it caused you know some pretty serious problems. We're actually thankful it did. As a customer, I'm very thankful. But then there's also this process of having to go back. Sometimes your product is safe, sometimes it's not, but you still have to prove it. Talk a little bit about the intention of the platform and the intention and goal behind all this that makes Amazon very liable if something bad happens or goes wrong. Right. So as with any brick and mortar, any platform, they are offering the product on behalf of 1P or 3P. Um, if something does happen, so usually the first alarm is customer complaints, right? Customers will definitely vocalize what's wrong or what has happened, um, whether it's your return or whether it's a product review, whatever it may be it could get the listing flag for investigation. And Amazon, being Amazon, who is customer-centric, they will pause either if it's a listing or if it's a complete category or product type in general, they will take it down to investigate, which is a great thing. And customers should be happy about it because sure. who wants to have a product that could potentially harm their baby or you know their sister or their cousin or a friend? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Harm is harm. Um, but they are taking it down for a reason. Um, unfortunately, usually it's a pretty wide net if it's not a, a specific product type for like a recall or something like that. Um, but they do do their due diligence to mitigate their risk and to protect their Amazon customer. Um, and it is part of the seller's you know, requirement that's on the platform to have that proof to show that it is safe for market, whatever that market is, and for that intended audience, whoever is going to use the product. Yeah, I remember years ago, Dave Barry um, showed an example of roller skate Barbie who sh would have skates, uh, sparks shooting out from her skates. And a apparently a kid was playing with it and his sister had used a ton of hairspray and they literally, I think, you know, caught something on fire. And so, um, you know, those are sort of mild examples of the types of things that can happen, but the other thing that I think is challenging, like you said, sellers don't always get notifications. Sometimes you just wake mm -hmm. up and your sales are down. Um, but the other thing is there's a myriad of ways that Amazon can communicate it to you. And it can often be really confusing. It can be your listing was suspended, your ASIN is restricted, it's inactive, it's suppressed. Can you talk just a little bit about in terms of the plethora of language that is even used that makes this confusing for sellers? Yeah, there's a quite a bit. Um, so Amazon has different triggers, if you will, that they pull in order to take a listing down for investigation, right? So that they can look into it and see what should be saved, what what they will continue to sell, whether or not it's been reinstated and, and switched back on to be, um, you know, available to customers. It really 
just depends on how it went down internally. Um, but that's our secret sauce here is we will find out what the issue is to help you get it back up and figure out what Amazon actually needs to to resolve the issue on, on their end to, to make it available for customers. And that's a really important thing. I mean, I've worked with clients who you get the email, Amazon says, here's the problem. Here's what you have to do. To James's point, you follow the instructions and Amazon comes back with a template email that goes, eh, wrong, sorry, didn't work. Talk a little bit about the ambiguity of, you know, sort of some of these template emails that can come from Amazon where customers, or I should say sellers, literally don't know what Amazon is asking for and how challenging and frustrating that can be. Yeah. I mean, we all know Amazon is one of the biggest and largest retailers. Um, It's hard to keep your employees consistent um, with SOPs and whatever you want to throw at them. You could have someone that doesn't know what they're looking at and they will send you a generic blurb, which is either not related or doesn't answer your question. Um, Especially now in Q4, where we know that they are very, very, very backed up um, with inquiries, people are rushing to get their products live. So you are having associates having to rush through responses, approvals, reviews, and things like that. Um, So really, it's understanding what the root cause is, um, which we can help to figure that out. And then uh, based on the root cause of why it was taken down or suppressed or suspended, then we can go ahead and, and tell you as a seller what you will need to prove to Amazon that you should be able to continue to sell on the platform. Yeah, and you, there's a laundry list. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned there's certain things that can cause a listing to become unavailable. Um, but one of those is actually Amazon sweeping the platform. And uh, sometimes it can be maybe an FDA mandate, it can be an EPA mandate, it can be the government sort of forcing Amazon to comply. And Amazon sort of follows the process of shoot first, ask questions later. What are some of the current sweeps that you're seeing where we're sort of getting the same requests? across the board that sellers should be aware of? Like maybe their product has been already caught up in the sweep or it could be potentially, and they should just be aware of it. They should just be looking out for it. Yeah, it definitely comes in waves and it's definitely um, sometimes a knee-jerk reaction based on you know a, a, regula- a regulatory body saying, hey, like this is not allowed. It could be a cease and desist from a different state who's saying like, no, you can't sell within the zip code anymore. Um, so it's it sometimes can be very abrupt, um, and they will take it down and message you later. We do see these happen with recalls um, when they do happen. Um, but basically, what you can do is um, go and investigate, contact us if you need help, um, and then you know we can work through it with you to figure out what that is. Um, I know the first response is to panic which is fair because it is Q4 (laughs) and no one wants to see their top items down, right? In the worst situation. So right now we're seeing a wave of a specific product type for baby toys. Um, And it's really a lot of the sellers who have reached out to us do have their documentation. They do test on an annual basis, whether or not, you know, they've changed manufacturing or it's because it's time to redo testing to ensure the manufacturer has not cheated and they are safe for, you know, the baby's, in the US, but right now it's just a waiting game of whether or not Amazon can go ahead and review in a timely manner. You have to think about it though. There's a lot of people competing in a very competitive space um, and they've probably requested millions, if not more than that, um, for documentation for specific listings. So it, it is a backlog and it does take time for Amazon to go through. It sucks from the seller's perspective, but it is a way for them to make sure, again, 
that the Amazon customer is protected. Yeah. No, there's a bit of translator role that we play um, in terms of translating. Okay, I know here's what Amazon said, but sort of like playing the mediator and say, here's what here's what Amazon actually wants. Here's what Amazon actually means. Um, James, I want to kick it over to you and talk to about catalog. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's your favorite topic. It was mm-hmm. one of mine until um, I joined Avenue 7 and then it became yours. Because I don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, and, and and honestly, like I said, I, 10 years of experience and it became too challenging for me to keep up with. Um, and, and that's why I wanted to join a team because it wasn't just me keeping up to date with it. It was having an entire team of people who are keeping up to date with it. But can you talk about some of the most common catalog issues that you're seeing right now mm-hmm. that are preventing sellers from selling? So whether it's, you know, variations issues or Amazon making changes, what are some of the current trends that you're seeing that are impact impacting sellers catalog uh, right as we head into the, the height of Q4? So, you know, unfortunately, it does happen at this time. Uh, a lot of the uh, things that we're we are encountering or I see uh, some of our clients encountering, sorry, is that, you know, Amazon's making changes um, all of a sudden certain products that should be in a variation, which means whether it's a color, or, you know, size theme or linked Amazon system sometimes makes changes without, you know, uh, sellers knowing. And then all of a sudden it'll just bring down the entire variation because it says it's against the uh, Amazon policy. And, right. you know, the one of the things I wanted to say when, uh, you know, you were speaking to uh, Malia's point uh, is that, you know, I think what sellers sometimes don't understand is Amazon is not always right. There's sometimes that listings are taken down. We encounter it so many times. And that's where, the, like you mentioned, uh, Shannon, the translation is important. And that's, you know, uh, why we're good at what we do. We dig and delve into it and, you know, kind of like get behind the scenes, as Malia indicated. But, you know, getting back to your point, um, product types change, uh, variation themes. Um, I will caution against, you know, don't put profit above Amazon's compliance. It's like fighting City Hall. They'll take you down in a second and it'll make it very difficult for it to get back up. I know sometimes people are like, I'm just going to slip this in. And I'm like, seems like it would be good, bad decision. Um, they might not catch you right away, <laughs> but sometimes down the line when they do their their scans, um, a lot of times they are correct. And we just have to be very diligent in how we put stuff together. But again, you know, product types, um, you know, categories. One of the other things that's important that Amazon is really um, in the last couple of years of uh, putting a, a lot of uh, emphasis on is making sure that you are, your brand is linked to your GS1. Um, and I don't want to get too much into it, but yeah. basically it's more protected. So as you are linked to your brand, it's kind of um, extracting, you know, unauthorized or rogue sellers from jumping on brands that are protected. So those are kind of like some of the major themes that we're seeing. Of course, it's going to happen in Q4. A lot of, you know, a lot of busyness. Oh, you're selling a lot. I want to be like you. And then they jump on your listings and then it's tough to get people off. So I can't stress the, uh, you know, uh, importance enough of making sure that, you know, we have that GS1 certificate for your brand, make sure it's linked properly. That really, really protects brands. Um, and then when Amazon sees it, they're like, okay, I got it. You still have to prove that you're you, but it'll be, make it a, a bit easier to get them off. So those are kind of some of the ones that, you know, like misrepresentation that get um, to get the listings taken down. Yeah. Or some of the catalog issues. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to be having uh, Scott Harder, uh, Fisher Broyles talk about trademarks and Michelle Covey of GS1 US talking about UPC codes in upcoming episodes. So 
Uh, really excited about that because that's foundational for ensuring that your account and your listings are, you know, built out for the long for the long run. James, you mentioned that Amazon will sometimes change things. And I've seen this maybe when I upload something new, that there's a required attribute that I had not been required to, you know, add before. Mm -hmm. How can that impact an existing listing where Amazon all of a sudden requires a required attribute or requires an attribute that wasn't required mm -hmm. before? And that listing never had it because maybe there wasn't even a location for that. How does that impact existing listings? And that's a great point, Shannon, because what will happen is if Amazon, you know, deems what's best for Amazon and what they think the seller, they will put these required attributes in. The biggest impact it has is searchability. Um, we've heard hundreds and hundreds of times, clients, I'm searching for my plot product. I can't find it negative impact to um, sales, obviously. So that's a, you know, a big, a big detriment. So it's like, we always have to be, you know, I guess uh, on standby, if you will, to, for these changes. It, like I said, it's not always broadcast, but it's things that we keep an eye out for. But the biggest, like I said, detriment, uh, Shannon is sales can't find the product. You have a great branded product and it's like, Hey, you know, sometimes you'll see my sales went from X to Z and Y. And it's because something was changed. And then you'll see when you go into the listing, you might see that, oh, missing attribute that Amazon deems is necessary for that uh, particular product type. So that's a great point. Yeah. So so that it can be considered uh, search suppression, you know, which mm -hmm. basically means, yes, if somebody has a link to your ASIN, they can still buy it. But if you search for that product, Amazon A9 algorithm is not going to show your product in search results. Exactly. And that basically mm -hmm. kills your organic traffic. Um, mm -hmm. are, do you see situations with catalog that impact advertising, James? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, same thing. You know, obviously I keep getting into product types. Um, sometimes product types are, cer are certainly difficult. If we have incorrect keywords that advertising doesn't like, you're not going to be able to advertise. It'll render it um, ineligible. So that's, like I said, another great point. So we also have to be diligent of putting the correct keywords in there. I'm not saying Amazon, again, Amazon's not always right, but certain keywords that we think are harmless right. will prevent you from being able to advertise on their listing. And again, it all comes down to the um, dollars and cents bottom line, searchability, availability, profitability. Love it, James. I, you know, it's so important. I mean, and this is why, what I love uh, about Av7 is we're, we actually have our own proprietary software that we're building out that monitors all of these different aspects and elements because it's hard to monitor. In fact, if you've got hundreds or thousands of listings, it's nearly impossible to monitor it. And I've had clients say, you know, it's really interesting. My sales just dropped off last week and I have no idea why. And it turns out their number one bestseller had an issue, but there was nothing to alert them. There was no red flag. There was no notice. Um, I saw actually an account last week where uh, their credit card expired, you know, for advertising. Amazon mm -hmm. didn't send any notice. There was no, no email notification. Sales mm -hmm. just dropped off. And again, being able to monitor all those different things is so critical uh, for success. I want to go back to one thing, James, because I think this is so important and I think it impacts so many sellers. Just because you have a brand and brand registry, and just because your ASIN is listed with that brand name, it doesn't mean they're connected. And this is one of the pull your hair out frustrating moments for sellers. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like and why that happens? 
um, you, you know, whether you create the listing before or after brand registry, but, but talk about some of those issues that sellers experience when they've got a trademark, they've got a brand name, the brand name is on the ASIN, but for some reason they can't add a plus content and nothing seems to be working. Yeah. So there, um, from a brand registry standpoint, I don't know if, you know, many people know it's linked on a few different levels and if it's not connected properly on each. So you have your advertising console, you have your A plus console, you have the uh, product level console. They all have to sync up. And behind the scene is there's all these there's always the or not always there's all these moving parts. Sorry. And if they don't sync properly and it could be one, you know, misinterpreted like product type or keyword that causes those not to sync. So our battle on on that front is to make sure that we make sure all those areas are are connected. You know, unfortunately, not on Amazon, not all of these areas communicate with each other effectively. So you'll get to run around like, oh, well, you're brand registered. You should be good to go. Can't create A+. You know what I mean? Can't create the storefront. And then it's like, oh, there's certain things that we have to do behind the scenes to get that synced up. And it can be a process depending on, you know, uh, what happens. But very, obviously, very important point. Just because you have brand registry does not mean everything's synced up on the back end. And I know I keep saying back end. There's, like I said, there's a lot of moving parts there that have to uh, have to get connected. And obviously, that's what we're the experts in doing. And like I said, we'll go in there and, hey, we're going to bring your attention to it. You know, I've been brushed off so many times or seemingly brushed off so many times until I'm like, I'm not going away. And I, I hear the size like, OK, let's get this done. That's, you know, that's what you have to do. But Yeah, I mean, because there are situations where if you have a trademark for a brand name, but selling a completely different category, it's possible that two separate companies have the Mm -hmm. same trademark, but it's for a different brand. And Mm -hmm. if you don't sort of communicate that Amazon may align your product with with the wrong brand or not at all. And so I think that's the frustration that I experienced the most where, you go to seller support and say, hey, I can't add A-plus content. They say, go to brand registry. You go to brand registry. They say, well, you've got the brand registry. You need to file a ticket with seller support. And I literally remember banging my head on my keyboard and lashing out some <laughs> not so nice words for you know pre-holidays um, because it really is a, a, an irritating experience. And knowing how to navigate Amazon, knowing mm-hmm. how to talk the talk and knowing how to ask the right questions, push for the right escalations with the right departments, I think is one of the things that makes our catalog team really, really special. Absolutely. And then just to add to that, Shannon, um, from a brand registered trademark standpoint, a lot of the issues that I think sellers do run into as well is they provide us the incorrect brand name. Once that's embedded in the system, it's very difficult to get it corrected. So it's very important that when they provide the trademark, it's, you know, case sensitive. We need that exact brand. Otherwise, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I hit my head up against the wall <laughs> on brand registry, but we won't get into that. <laughs> sure. Fair enough. James, the last thing I want to do before I kick it back to Malia is talk a little bit about uh, search suppression because of browse nodes. Talk a little bit about what a browse node is. I mean, you and I know the browse tree guide and browse node IDs and stuff. For a lot of sellers, this is you know speaking French. But talk a little bit about browse node IDs and search suppression and how that can impact sellers if they haven't correctly found and identified the best category for their product, or mm-hmm. if they did at one point and Amazon changed the categories and the taxonomy. Right. I mean, simply put, uh, simply put. 
It's the way people discover and find your products. There's obviously certain um, keywords that are embedded in that browse node and it goes start to finish. You know, I'll just say home and garden, living room, you know, uh, outdoor furniture. It's basically what makes sense to find a certain product that I want. So that's, you know, and I'm not, you know, uh, being dismissive, but that's basically what it is. It's how someone gets to your product and I want to buy this product. I can't find it. That's where the browse nodes is important. And then, you know, obviously to go back to um, searchability, if that browse node is not there, it's your product is basically, or clients' products are basically in limbo. And, you know, we've had clients come to us and be like, hey, I can't find your product. I love it. It's the brand I like. But, you know, you also have to keep in mind, Amazon, people that buy on Amazon are moving and shaking. They can't find it immediately. They're gone. So that's why it's so important to make sure that is in fact there and in the correct category, because it's like I go on Amazon. I search for patio furniture. That's what I want to find. I'm going, you know, I'm I'm off to something. I'm not going past page one. I mean, most most customers aren't going past page one. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and, And again, Amazon has rolled out changes where everything from the category listing reports to this, the templates. And again, the things that used to work to fix these don't necessarily work anymore. And mm-hmm. the amount of time, because you know when I created my Amazon course, the amount of time that went into just keeping up to date with Amazon became so you know instrumental that it, it just becomes overwhelming. And you've got to find a way that you can have a team, whether it's internal or externally outsourced to handle all this stuff for you. Malia, I, I want to come back to you for a minute and talk about some of the performance and compliance issues that that, that pop up. Again, a seller realizes that their listing's down for whatever reason, whatever the trigger was, whatever uh, lever was pulled. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see sellers do when they panic? Mm-hmm. I, I think about that that line from Iron Man, Cuba, uh, you know, where um, you know this woman approaches him and goes, you know, can I get a reaction? He goes, panic, you know, panic is my reaction. But um, when people panic, which they inevitably do, what are some of the biggest mistakes that they make that actually hurt them more than they help them? Yeah. Um, panicking and submitting whatever you have without reviewing it first is the biggest mistake. I would say actually the one before that is lying to Amazon. So it doesn't help to lie to Amazon at all because you will be found out. (laughs) And the next time you submit and your story changes, uh, you're kind of flagged. So it is best to be transparent um, and we can help you with how to triage. If you did make a mistake, it does happen. Not everybody is a seasoned business owner and they are honest mistakes, right? They're not always malicious. Yeah. Um, so when you come to work with us, we just want to know what, what happened, what did, you know, what did you do? What was the consequence? What is Amazon asking for? And we will help you get through it. Um, if it's not a mistake and it's just a misunderstanding and maybe you submitted something incorrectly, you know, again, we go through the process with you of having to sort it out, um, helping to, to relay what Amazon is looking for um, and to lay it out for them because sometimes they don't know how to look at certain things. Um, An example is whether or not you are actually manufacturing your own product. They tend to have a little bit um, of an issue with reviewing those types of documentation versus being someone who sources, right? You're going to have a PO versus a nice invoice. So there are certain nuances which we know Amazon can easily accept and has a little bit of difficulty with. So whatever it is, um, you can definitely work with us. We will understand the situation um, and we'll help you find a way to um, communicate with Amazon in an effective manner to get a resolution. 
whether it's a mistake, whether you have everything while your ducks in a row, maybe Amazon's just not understanding or simply rejecting it for no reason at all. We can help in any and all circumstances. Yeah, it's a little back going back to kindergarten rules. Don't lie. Okay. Yeah. This is just like, yeah, let's go back to first grade. <laughs> Don't lie. Let's be honest. You got to be honest yeah. with us. Got to be honest with Amazon. You got to be, be honest. So, so aside from that, again, I think the complexity has increased aside from panicking and doing initial responses, which I have seen. I've had clients that go, I got this Amazon suspended my ASIN and I wrote them back and I said, Amazon, you're wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And I, you know, you just sort of cover your eyes and go, what did you do? Um, how much can that hurt them or set them back if they issue multiple responses or appeals with literally no documentation, no information and no review? So your submissions do count. Um, you definitely don't want to use and abuse those. And you especially don't want to take it out on the associate. Um, they are just a person just like we are um, being, you know, not very nice is definitely frowned upon and you could have your communication suspended. So, you know, we under, we understand as an agency what you're going through and they do as well because they see a lot of these fly past their desk. They understand what's at risk. And, you know, it's their job to make sure that they get the documentation that's needed in order to get you reinstated. So the process is frustrating. That's why we are here to help. Um, definitely don't take it out on the associate and don't kind of throw your three wishes away, if you will. Um, definitely use them wisely because you do want to make them count because everything is taken a note of. Amazon is a data-driven company. Pretty much everything and anything is recorded. So make right. sure that it counts. When, and be a when, nice person. <laughs> <laughs> back to kindergarten rules. Be nice, don't yeah. lie. Um, <laughs> when should a seller brand reach out to get help? Right. I mean, I mean, because you could sort of have the obvious inevitable reason of like, if anything happens, but, you know, sort of thinking through it critically, it's a business decision. When when should they reach out if they need help with a listing that's taken down or a catalog issue? For performance issues, it just really depends on what it is and what's happening. Obviously, Q4 is not the ideal time because it is harder. It takes a lot of chasing. It takes a lot of overhead time to push it through and follow up. Um, so if that's something that's not, you know, um, allocated or you don't have a person to do that in your business, that'd be something you'd reach out to us for to help you with. Um, right. if it's a, if it's a more technical issue where it has to do with testing or something outside of your own of expertise, that's definitely something else you want to reach out to us for, for the catalog part. Again, there's a lot, there's a lot of finagling. There's a lot of contacting and you are always at the mercy of who you get. Um, but we know how to get you there sooner. Um, so again, time is money when it comes to business, especially in Q4. Um, so I would say if you know, you've know you tried and you, you know you're not getting anywhere pretty fast and every day you're losing too much um, yeah. and you don't see the end for you coming soon, I would say, give us a call, contact us and we I, will definitely look through what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to sellers who are losing... $10,000 a day and are debating whether or not to pay a few thousand dollars for a reinstatement. Yeah. It's like, well, let's just do the math real quick. Let's, let's, let's pause. Let's go back to kindergarten math. You know, what, what's, 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 you know, $10,000 a day times, you know, a week. Um, so yeah, I think time, time and cost and complexity. I, I'd say if there's a confusion, if you don't fully understand and know exactly what Amazon is asking of you, it's a good time to reach out and get help because the last mm -hmm. thing you want to do is provide a response to Amazon that doesn't make sense. Um, right. And I'd say also, if you've tried before to answer 
to the best of your ability what you think Amazon is asking for and it didn't work, probably also a good time to reach out. So James, aside from deleting your entire catalog, what are some, what are some of the challenges or, or, or mistakes that you've seen sellers make with cataloging in terms of catalog before they wind up contacting you and go, uh-oh, I kind of made a boo-boo. Uh, can you help fix it? Yeah, so that's a great question. And obviously to tag on to uh, what Malia said from a performance standpoint, I know it's tough. Um, we get these knee-jerk reactions where people are impatient. They, I've seen so many times where they reach out to support and again, incorrect documentation. They say the wrong thing. And then, you know, when I get on the call, well, you said X, Y, and Z. That all always is going to lead Amazon down the wrong path. And it slowly builds up these um, these red flags. I, you know, I'm a you know big proponent of uh, believing in making sure that the brand's correct. Don't jump the gun. You know, obviously there's, and it, it, this all comes down to patience. Um, sometimes it's tough. Now, if you're losing, you know, $50,000 on your, you know, a month on your product, obviously you want to react, but sometimes that reaction isn't appropriate. So it's going about it the correct way, which is obviously why, you know, why and where we would get involved. I've seen people incorrectly try to fix stuff, don't understand the file feeds, the process. Sometimes that Amazon changes stuff. I've seen where people, oh, shoot, I've deleted my top listing. I need to get it back. Um, and one of the other things that I want to um, uh, kind of like illustrate is that when we do, sometimes when we do our process, things that weren't caught before sometimes get caught up in the system because Amazon is changing. And I think that's what throws some sellers off as well. They're like, well, this wasn't a problem before. And I'm like, think of that constantly evolving phase. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I know they say, you know, uh, the the slogan, you can't fight City Hall. That's how I look at it from Amazon. You can, but you have to do it in the appropriate and uh, appropriate manner. So there are certain things that, you know, one would have to understand about what goes on. So that's kind of like, uh, Shannon, like some of the biggest things I see, like people rush, you know, jump to get stuff fixed. And we're like, yeah, I've even said, what did you do? Well, they said I needed to do this and I did X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, now it has to go to performance and right. that's a bigger deal. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have we heard catalogs say, oh, you know, all you need to do is just delete the product for 24 hours and relist it. And you're like, that's not the answer. Yeah, I hate we that. know that's not the answer, <laughs> especially on Black Friday. That's not the answer. <laughs> um, well, James Malia, thank you so much. I, I know this has been incredibly valuable insight uh, for our audience and beyond. Uh, Malia, any last words before we go um, for sellers who are preparing or in the midst of uh, their Q4 holiday sales and season when they run into uh, performance issues or availability? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, I mean, all jokes aside, it is high season. We understand that yeah. you want a fast turnaround um, every day every hour during peak season matters. Um, so if you're frustrated or you're, you know, you're not sure what trigger to pull, definitely contact us. Um, we're more than happy to do a discovery call with you and see if we have a plan that fits you. Um, we've seen everything and anything in any type of state. So if you did make a whoopsie, you know, we are here to help. Awesome. Don't freak out just call us. <laughs> Wonder, I love it. James Malia, thank you again. And for those of no you problem. listening and, and watching, uh, you can visit us at day2podcast.com. That's day2podcast.com, where we have all of our services, whether it's catalog, ASIN reinstatement, Amazon advertising, and fully managed services. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, 
uh, please give us a five-star review or thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform or wherever you happen to be watching and listening and happy sales. Mm -hmm.